I want to start off tonight. I have a very profound piece of logic to give you tonight. I want to, I want to start off by giving that to you. Here it is. Here's what it is. Until there is nothing coming ahead, there is always something coming ahead. And now, I've been working on that for some time. I'm pretty proud of that. Let me say it again to you in case you missed it. Until there is nothing coming ahead, there is always something coming ahead. Now, let me explain that to you. What that means is as long as you are living, there's always something about to happen. As long as you're alive, as long as you're breathing, there is always something about to happen. Now, it may be expected, it may be unexpected, it may be long awaited for, or it may be dreaded, it may be great and awesome, or it may be terrible and bad, but it doesn't matter. As long as you are living, there is always something coming. Now, that's for all ages. You may say, well, I've gotten past that. No, we don't age out of that. That is for all people. Until there is nothing coming ahead, there is always something coming ahead. Now, I'm going to make bumper stickers of that. We'll sell those and get rich. Until there's nothing coming ahead, there's always something coming ahead. Well, let me tell you, one of the gracious things that God does through his word is he prepares us for those things. Now, I want you to, to think about that, to hear that. One of the kind things, the gracious things that God does for us through his word is he prepares us for those things. And that is what he does. As we study his word, he is preparing us, he is shaping us, he is building us, and when the next thing comes, we're prepared. When the next thing comes, we're ready. Now, let me tell you, we might be caught off guard, but we will not be caught unprepared. And I, as I think about that, that's really what this study is. In fact, that's all the study of God's word. That's what it is. And let me tell you the problem with that. The problem is when we get out of that process, when we're not hearing God's word, when we're not studying God's word, when we're not taking in God's word, when the next thing happens, now the next thing's going to happen, but when the next thing happens, we're not sure what to do. And we've, we've, we've separated ourselves from the hearing of the word of God, and now some event has happened, and, and we're not sure what to do. A while back as I started this study in Proverbs, I said, tomorrow's wisdom, when it's needed today, is a day too late. Well, I'll study tomorrow. Well, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll come next week, or I'm ready to get into that next month. Tomorrow's wisdom, when it's needed today, is a day too late. Proverbs says it like this, in all of your getting, get wisdom. Here we are, we're seeking these things and we're chasing these things. The book of Proverbs says, in all of your getting, get wisdom. And so that's what we're doing in this study. Today, tonight, we're back in what's called the 30 sayings. And I think it's a profound thing. I think it's worth noting. These are 30 things that God says we need to know. And so he actually wraps them up and hand delivers them to us. You do well. In fact, you need to know these 30 truths. And so we're going through these 30 sayings. This week, we're going to start back in the 16th saying. The 16th saying. We're in Proverbs chapter 23. Tonight, we're going to start back in verse 22. The 16th saying is Proverbs 22, 
through verse 25. All right, here we go. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Now we read that saying and there's actually two audiences for this saying. There is the direct audience, those that it is speaking directly to, it's talking to the kids, to the children. Then there is also an indirect audience, those that are hearing from the sides or hearing indirectly from the fringe, and that group includes the parents. And so it's speaking directly to the kids and indirectly to the parents. By speaking to the kids, we find there's an indirect audience of the parents. All right, first let's look at the indirect message of the 16th saying, the message to the parents. And that is this, the dominant activity of the home, the priority activity of the home, and therefore the most activity of the home is the passing on of godly wisdom, understanding, and instruction. Take that saying, go to the rest of the Proverbs, but take that saying, look at it, and it's telling us the priority activity of the home is the passing on of godly wisdom, understanding, and instruction. And we saw a couple weeks ago that is found, those things are found in the Word of God. Now let me say this, I said it a couple weeks ago, parents, your number one job is to fill your kids with the truth of the Word of God. They are to hear it, they are to study it, they are to have it explained to them, they are to practice it in the context of your home. That is your mission as parents. And if you will do that, listen to this, everything else will work itself out. Well, what about this? What about that? What about these things? Listen, if you will pour into them, explain to them, and help them practice the word of God, everything else will take care of itself. Now listen, if somebody were to ask, how are you doing as a parent? How are you doing as a parent, mom? How are you doing as a parent, dad? Now the verses show us here it's both of them. The criteria for measuring success is this. Are you filling your kids with the word of God? Now I want you to think about that. Dad, are you filling your kid with, with the word of God? Mom, are you filling your kids with the word of God? Now, that's the indirect message that we have in the 16th saying. Now, the direct message is to the kids. Now, I want you to notice this. How many times do we give the kids a pass? And that's, that's what it seems to happen. How many times do we not expect too much from the kids? After all, guess what? They're just kids. Well, here's a profound thing. In the middle of the 30 sayings, the 16th saying is actually directed at the kids. It is spoken to the kids. And so kids here tonight, listen, God is speaking to you. Here's what it says. Here's the message of the 16th saying to kids. Listen up. Listen to your parents. Obey your parents. 
and operate in godly wisdom so as to be a blessing to your parents. And that is the instruction to kids. Listen to your parents, obey your parents, operate in godly wisdom so as to be a blessing to your parents. All age, ages of kids can do this. Now listen, they need instruction, yes. They need discipline, they need correction, they need guidance in the process. But as they grow, I want you to see this, they are to be growing in the ability to practice godly wisdom. Kids are to be growing in the ability to practice godly wisdom. That's, that's the point of it. Now they ought to be better at it at six years old than they were at four they ought to be better at it at 10 years old than they were at 6, at 16 than they were at 10. They ought to be better at operating it when they're 25 than when they were 16. But it is to be a growing thing. They're learning to operate in God's wisdom. The verse says this, let the father and mother be glad. That's what that says. Let the father and mother be glad. Kids, listen to me. Let me give you some advice tonight. The last thing you want to have is parents that are not glad to see you. <laughs> Did you know that? You say, well, that sounds kind of crazy. I know some kids that their parents are kind of like, oh, they're already off the bus. Here they are. I'll tell you this. They don't tell those kids, but there's kids I'm around. And I'm like, nope, that's enough of that kid. Don't tell them. <laughs> kids, here's the, here's the message. God says, Listen to your parents, obey your parents, operate in godly wisdom so your parents will be glad. Now I want you to see something here and how important this is. See how the two messages, the direct message and the indirect message fit together. Parents, you have to be putting in the word of God so your kids can take in and obey the word of God. You're not going to have kids with the, the ability to, to obey the word of God if you're not putting in the word of God. Parents, you're putting in the word of God. You have to have kids that are ready to listen and obey and that both sides, both pieces of that have to fit together. That's the 16th saying. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. All right, moving on to the 17th saying. It's found in verses 26, 27, and 28. 17th saying, Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and an adulterous woman is a narrow well. Surely she lurks as a robber and increases the faithless among men. Now this is a complicated saying. Let me, let me explain it to you. In verse 26, wisdom says, keep your eyes to the path. It literally translates, keep your eyes to the path. Keep your eyes on the path. Keep your eyes to the path. Now what that means is you have to work to maintain your focus. Here's what you have to decide. I will honor God. I will put myself in situations where I can honor God. 
I will practice God's word. Now, sometimes they think, well, that's just going to happen. Well, I've been going to church. I've got a new Bible. Listen, you have to decide, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to put myself, I'm going to make the choice and put myself in positions where I can honor God. I'm going to practice God's word. You decide, you make the effort. We have to get used to that. I'm going to honor God today. I'm going to put myself in positions where I'm not drawn to other things, but I can honor God. I'm going to practice the word of God. We decide that. We choose to do that. In the verses, it introduces a harlot, a prostitute, and an adulteress, a promiscuous woman. Now, in those two examples, in those two people, there are both literal and symbolic meanings. And, and they're both right. They're both there. They're both intended, literal and symbolic meanings. Now, both of those hold this understanding. Now, listen to this. Sin is alluring. Sin is attractive. Sin pulls you that way, and it appeals to your natural desires. I'm talking about all sin. Hey, that looks good. That's enticing, and it appeals to your natural desires, and it seeks to take you that way. Notice in verse 26, the eyes and the heart are tied together. And if you start looking on sin with desire and lust, you better have your heart already resolved. Listen to what I'm saying. If, if you start looking at sin with lust and desire, you better have your heart already resolved. And if you don't change what you're looking at with your eyes, it's going to impact the resolve of your heart. Do you hear that? You're going to see things. We see things. But when you see those things, you better have your heart resolved. But if you continue to see those things, it's going to impact and it's going to change the resolve of your heart. That's why the verse ahead of that, it's better to have it already decided. It's already, it's already better to say, to it, I'm going to avoid sin. I'm not going to be found in those positions. Verse 28, surely she lurks as a robber and increases the faithless among men. This attractive sin that entices you, it robs from you. It steals from you. It increases the faithless, that's what the Bible says, among men, among people. Now, here's what that means. A culture that approves of sin, a culture that winks at sin, a culture that laughs at sin, a culture that is entertained by sin, a, a culture that surrounds us with sin. It's everywhere. It's all around us. Folks, look at our world today. That culture produces faithless people. Well, it's just a sin. Well, I know it's not me. I know it's on the screen. I know it's in the song. Well, I know I can't avoid it. I know I can't not go some places. A culture that surrounds us with sin produces faithless people. Listen, that's the goal of Satan. That's, that's what he wants. Now, there's a sexual aspect to these verses. It pulls us in, and the verse tells us it's a trap, a deep trap, a deep pit. It, it tells us in these verses we guard our hearts, we resolve our hearts by guarding our eyes. Now, here's the New Testament teaching on this. 
from sexual immorality, run, flee, don't get close to it. All right, that's the 17th saying. All right, saying 18, saying 18. Saying 18 starts in verse 29 and goes down to verse 35. Verse 29 to verse 35. Let me read this to you. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. And you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. Now, saying 18 is very interesting. It's a long set of verses. It would have actually been a song that was devised to remember. It would have actually been a poem that was supposed to catch attention. Now, as we read through that, it is still, we're not going to sing that. I'm not going to. It is still a picture to see. And so it was meant to be remembered. It was meant to catch our attention, but it's also a picture for us to see. In it is a simple yet stark warning against drunkenness, against drinking, against drunkenness. Now, I want to say this. Here are 30 sayings, 30 things that are important to know, and God placed this here. God did this. God warns us. God places this here. He gives us this picture. All right, let's look at it piece by piece. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? The question is offered, who has woe? It means problems. Who has sorrow, regret, and hurt? Who has contentions, conflicts with other people? Who has complaining? Now there's a voice given to the troubles. Who has bloodshot red eyes? Who has those things? The answer is given in verse 30. Those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine. The word there, the answer, the word linger, actually is this word that means to hover, to to stay close, to, to hang around, to hover. You ever know people, and, and when you're around them, that's the, that's the focus? Well, we've got a ball game. Do we have enough to drink? Well, we're going on a fishing trip. Do we have enough to drink? We're going to the lake. We're going to play cards. We've got to cook out. Somebody's coming over, and, and they're hovering. It, it becomes a, a subject that consumes them, and, and they hover around it. They linger around it. It is their focus. Verse 31, do not look on the wine when it is red. When it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. Now, verse 31 is a, is a warning, making sure you understand this. It looks appealing. Oh, it, it seems appealing. It's, it seems harmless. I'm going to tell you what. It seems better than harmless. These are the good things of life, aren't they? The, the finer things. 
These are fun. They're attractive. Says, don't look at it that way. Be warned, verse 32. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Now listen, I want you to think about that picture. It strikes like a serpent. Unnoticed, quick, unexpected. I didn't see that coming. I, I was fooling around. I was getting close. Oh, it looked so attractive. And at the last, it bit me. It struck me. It's vicious and it's deadly. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. Verse 33. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. A very interesting verse. The person that's intoxicated, the person that's lingered long over wine, they can't trust their senses. You know that. We've seen that. You're not seeing correctly. You're not responding correctly. Here's one of the great, here's one of the great detriments, it says. Your mind will utter perverse things. Now, I want you to see that. It doesn't say your mouth. Here's what happens. It actually changes your mind. Your, your mind begins to consider and converse in the perverse, you start to entertain. The, the word perverse means crooked, not straight, perverted. It actually means your mind starts to, to entertain those things and you start to have a conversation in your mind. Be sure of this. A multitude of sins are eased into by the drinking of alcohol. And you say, well, I'm tougher than that. Well, I'm stronger than that. Well, that's never happened to me. That's not what the Bible says. Your mind starts to think not the way it used to think. Your, your mind that maybe had a straight shot now becomes entertaining the crooked and, and, and the dulling of alcohol leads people into a multitude of sins. It changes your attitude. You ever say, well, somebody's a mean drunk. You ever heard that? Their language goes to pot. Someone that wouldn't talk a certain way or, or talk about people in a certain way, their language begins to change. Their, their morals become numbed as, as they continue in the process. That's what the verse is saying. Verse 34. And you'll be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on the top of the mass. You're, you're, topped around, you're tossed around. You become nauseous. Verse 35. They struck me but I did not become ill. You're all beat up, but you don't know how you got that way. When shall I wake up? When does this end? The last part of the verse 35 says this. I will seek another drink. One of the definitions of insanity is going back to the same activity, expecting a different response. And if this activity in excess brings sorrow and hurt and sin and trouble, it would be absolutely insane to wake up and say, you know what, I've got to do that again. When can I have another drink? Here is the warning of the 18th saying. I'm going to, I'm going to sum it up and make it very simple. There is a warning. Here is the warning. Be aware of what you're dealing with and be wise in how you approach it. You ever notice when you deal with, with fireworks or things that explode, it'll say danger explosives, or you deal with something that's poisonous, if you get it on your skin, if you drink it, inhale it, it's going to cause you problems. That is the same warning here. 
Be aware. Don't be dumb in what you're dealing with. Be aware of it and be wise in how you approach it. There's great potential for harm. That's where we're going to end tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. During Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful that you teach us. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't pass this off as, as something for somebody else, some teaching of a man, but we would have ears that are open and we would be warned where we ought to be warned. We'd be corrected where we ought to be corrected. We'd be faithful where you call us to be faithful. I pray, Lord, that the fruit would be people that look different than the world, people that enjoy the blessing of your truth and walking in it, homes that look different and point to you and peace the world can't manufacture or give us. Lord, we thank you for your truth. Again, we, we pray that we've taken it in tonight. We would practice it and walk in it. Lord, we come and we thank you for this Lord's Day. Again, a day that we can celebrate you that we could celebrate a hope in Christ, that we are forgiven of our sin, not having to work it off, not having to still stress over it, but it is settled, finished in you. We praise you for that. And then, Lord, we, we're thankful for, again, peace in the midst of hard things. Lord, we come and we hold up those that are hurting, those that are suffering. I pray that we would use these things as an opportunity to hold up the good news of Christ. Again, we pray as we go back into a week as, as a church family, all the, the different things we will do, I pray that we will carry well the name of Jesus. And we just end this day by saying, Lord, we, we're thankful for your grace and your graciousness to us. We're thankful for your mercy. We're thankful for your kindness. We're thankful for your goodness. And we're thankful for your love. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.